Well, praise the Lord. It's good to see you this morning. Children, you can go ahead and head out for children's ministry. Brother Johnny, it is good to see you this morning, brother. All the way from West Virginia. Came down to see us, Johnny and Gail, Trish. Good to have you guys with us. God bless you, Trish. Yes. That's kind of like Jesus holding the devil down and letting you punch him a few times, huh? <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes, praise God. Well, just a couple of things, I guess, in the way of announcements. Uh, our family movie night is going to be Friday, September the 17th. That's this Friday. So you want to put that on your calendar. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. We're going to have popcorn. Yeah, and it's good popcorn to you. <clears throat> There's a sign-up sheet in the foyer for the No Fright Fun Night. We need some workers, some volunteers for that. Uh, uh, the first work day for the No Fright Fun Night is going to be October the 16th. The time will be announced. We don't know just yet. We need people bringing candy. We're starting to collect candy for the No Fright Fun Night. We usually have a big, big barrel full because every 15 minutes at the No Fright Fun Night, we have a big candy toss. If you've never been a part of that, it is just fun. Um, also, there's a directory out in the foyer. If you would please fill that out, uh, Sister Kim is trying to update our, um, our directory so that we have contact information and we can get in touch with you if we need to. So, Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Take your Bibles out this morning, if you would. We're going to turn to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7. It's a passage of scripture that I've quoted many times. I've preached on several times, but I don't think I've ever preached on it in context with the verses before it and the verses after it. And as I was studying this week, I just, I can't, I, I, it just sort of occurred to me. There is a message in what is said leading up to that statement in Matthew seven twenty one, and there's a message in the verses after that, and it all actually connects to what he says there. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Now, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. Now, when you see the word repeated twice like that, Moses, Moses, Lord, Lord, verily, verily, it is putting emphasis on that word. In other words, it's like they're shouting it, Lord. And this is in the form of a question, but it's a rhetorical question. He's not, we're not saying this. He said many in those days are going to say, Lord. And they're not asking a question as if they're expecting Jesus to give them an answer. What they're doing is making a statement, and they're in essence being belligerent. Many will say in those days, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Everybody say extraordinary. Prophesying is a pretty extraordinary thing, huh? Have we done something extraordinary in your name? We prophesied in your name. It's a rhetorical question. It's an arrogant, belligerent, Lord, haven't we prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name. I mean, demons came out. That's extraordinary. Say extraordinary. We've done extraordinary things in your name, Lord. 
and we've done many mighty works in your name. Extraordinary. Question mark. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. King James says iniquity. Verse 24, though, it says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who builds his house on the rock, and the rain descends, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat on that house, but it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man. He built his house on the sand, and the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Father, I pray this morning, Lord, that you would just help us, God, to just remove every restraint of our mind, God, and to open our our minds, our thinking, our heart, Lord, to hear and receive from you. God, I pray that you would give us, Lord, a desire, Father, to be more and more like you. Father, last week I talked about the fact that you reconciled us unto yourself, Lord. You, You were to make us look like you, act like you, think like you, speak like you. And God, it takes a cooperation on our part. And and I would pray this morning, Lord, that we would have a a heart to hear your word, Lord, and have a heart to do your word. God, you said if we would do that, we're wise people. Lord, help us to be wise today and not foolish, Lord. So Holy Spirit, speak to us right now. God, I just right now in the spirit realm, Lord, you said whatsoever things we bind in the spirit, Lord, they're, they're, uh, we, whatsoever things we bind on earth, they're bound in heaven, Lord. And God, in the spirit realm, we bind everything that would distract us, Lord, everything that would take away from your word, God, uh, every hindering spirit, God, we bind that in the name of Jesus according to the authority of your word, and it is bound. And Lord, we release in this place, God, the 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 freedom to hear, to know, and to understand, God. Understanding, Lord, and wisdom, Father. Now, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, throughout the ministry here, I have tried to emphasize that seemingly small things and seemingly ordinary things are anything but small. They're anything but ordinary. Small things... Ordinary things are extremely important to God. Your gifts, every single person in here, God has given you a gift. Your gift and your calling, every person in here has a calling on their life. If you read the book of Revelation, when we stood before, stand before him, it says the called stand before him. We're all called by God. We're all gifted by God. And your gift And your calling is perfect. No matter how small it may seem, no matter how ordinary it may seem, or insignificant it may seem to you, it's perfect. It says in James chapter 1, verse 16, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every 
perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. The gift that you have, God gave it to you. And he, listen, every good gift is a perfect gift. And of course, every perfect gift is a good gift. And God gave it to you. And it's not small and it's not insignificant. It's extremely important. God is saying to you that seemingly small things, seemingly ordinary things are monumental things. And church, most of our life is made up of ordinary, small things humdrum, day-in, day-out things. The people by nature see small things as insignificant. And the big things are extraordinary. They're not ordinary. They're extraordinary. And they're important. That's just our human nature, right? It's like the two Texans was trying to impress each other with the size of their ranches. One of them said to the other one, says, what's the name of your ranch, cowboy? He replied, the name of my ranch is the Rockin' R, A, B, C, Flying W, Circle C, Bar U, Staple 4, Box D, Rolling M, Rainbows in Silver, Spur Ranch. He said, woo-wee, that is some name. He said, well, how many cattle are you running on your ranch, cowboy? He said, well, not very many. Most of them can't survive the branding. <laughs> you see, bigger is not always better. And just because someone appears to do it bigger and better, they prophesy, cast out demons, do many mighty works doesn't mean that they're necessarily doing the will of the Father, which, by the way, is quite often very small, very ordinary things, but always perfect. Sometimes the will of the Father, it's not extraordinary. It's just small, ordinary things. And most of your life is made up of ordinary small things. In the natural realm, every day we go through a routine usually. Most people, not everyone, but we wake up every morning. You stretch, you get out of bed, wash your face, brush your hair if you have some. Brush your teeth if you have some. Maybe you're a morning reader, you read your Bible, you get up, fix a pot of coffee, fix breakfast. Get dressed for work, out the door, you drive the same route to work, you get to work, you go in the same door about the same time, go to the same station, see the same people, do the same job, leave at the same time, drive home the same way, you get home, you piddle around, sit down, maybe you read something, watch TV, then you get supper ready, you eat, take a bath brush your teeth, and you go to bed. The weekend gets here, you catch up on the things you couldn't get done during the week. Might accept an invitation to go somewhere, spend a little time with the family. Sunday comes around, you go to church. You go out to eat maybe after church. Go home, relax, or maybe go visit somebody. Then you get ready to start it all over again, and you do the same thing week after week after month after month after year after year. 
just ordinary things. Because most of our life is made up of ordinary things, and we don't see them as necessarily special or memorable or very important. What we do by nature is we prefer the special things, the extraordinary things, those planned moments, a me day. Huh? How many of you like to have a me day? You say, what is a me day? A me day is when I don't have anything on my schedule. There is nothing demanding my time. There is, I don't even have to look at the clock. It is just a day I get to do what I want to do, a day just for, everybody say me. A me day. That we, that, that's what we look forward to. You may want to go read or you may want to go shopping or go fishing or work on a project or go play golf. Or you may just want to veg out and just do nothing. See, those are very special, extraordinary times. When we have those planned moments that we look forward to, going on vacations, a trip to see somebody that you really enjoy spending time with or seeing some special people. See, we don't love the ordinary. We prefer the planned extraordinary times. We, sometimes we like the suddenlies. Now, not everybody likes surprises, but some people like suddenlies. The suddenlies is when something happens that you wasn't expecting. Sometimes that depends on your love language. If you, your love language is quality time, you, you love it when somebody shows up and just spends some time with you. What unexpected, somebody you really love, you really enjoy being with, if, you're, if your love language is acts of service, those suddenlies when something happens and somebody comes and does something for you that's extraordinary, like, for example, I had a group of guys show up at my house and cut down a tree that was 41 inches across the stump. You realize how big this tree was? They cut the whole tree down, cut it up, chopped it, Split it in the firewood and stacked it in, in, the wood, in the woodshed for me. Brother, that's extraordinary. Oh, amen. I mean, those are special times right there. Amen. Come on, somebody. Acts of service. If you're a gift giver, you, somebody gives you an unexpected gift, no matter how small it is. Because if your love language is gift giving, the fact that they thought about you and they said, here, I thought about you and I saw this and I bought this for you. It's special. I remember hearing the story about this young lady. She was getting married, and they had a wedding reception for her. And this little widow woman went out and bought her this little plate. It was a little pie plate, and it had some kind of like a little flower in the middle of it. And some of the other ladies were snickering and making fun of that gift. The church, let me tell you something. That rises up some righteous indignation, indignation in me, being ungrateful and unthankful. Boy, that just... Oh. This little woman took a limited amount of money that she had, took time out of her life, and went and picked this out because she wanted to bless you. That's special. And if giving is your love language, that is extremely special. <clears throat> if your love language is words of affirmation and somebody shows you honor when you didn't expect it, that's special. We look forward to those times. If your love language is physical touch, and somebody just comes up and gives you a hug unexpected, that just makes you feel a warm all over, doesn't it? Those are special times. So we prefer the special moments, the planned or unexpected, and we see them as memorable and very important. We live for them. Those special times 
listen, they're planted in your mind. You can probably look back and remember some of those special times in your life. Because the, the way our brain works, the neurotransmitters in our mind are working constantly. I taught on that one time. We see things, we see all kinds of things, all kinds of things happens to us every day. Ordinary, simple, small things, we don't remember any of them. But if something extraordinary in our mind happens, our neurotransmitters fire faster and they create memory in the memory part of our brain so that we don't forget that. Some of you look back at some special vacations or special events or time you spent with people and you still remember that to this day. It was special. And we look forward to those things because that's just the way we are built. We live for them. But we think that they really make the difference in our life and we wish we had more of them. Now, in the natural, honestly, those special times, they really are the icing on the cake. We look forward to those things and live for them more than we do the ordinary day-to-day small things. It's reflected in our conversation. You go to work. If you're a boss man and your guys are always standing around talking, I was a supervision for 11 years uh, as a pipe foreman. And the guys are always ganged up. Instead of working, they're over there talking. They're not talking about work. Huh? How many supervisors we got in here? You know what I'm talking about. It's like get their phone number and go to work. You can talk about that on the phone at home, all right? But you need to be working right now. Because they're talking about the fishing trip they're planning on going on. Or the hunting trip or some special event, the vacation that they're going on. Time we're going to spend with somebody, or the, the weekend plans or past special events. We're talking about their trip to Cancun or their concert or the trip to the Holy Land or going up to see somebody. We see those things as important to our life development. And the ordinary, thing, ordinary things are just necessary just to get by. They don't add very much to our life. Now, As it is in the natural realm, church, so it is in the spiritual realm. We're the same way. We don't see necessarily week after week ordinary things as important. We see the special things important. A lot of people don't see getting up on Sunday morning and going to church and sitting down and listening to a sermon, singing the same worship songs we sing as important. What do they really do in my life? Church, our life is built on all of those ordinary small things. That's really what builds your life more than the extraordinary things, although we look forward to them and we remember them. You know, I was going through my mind of some of the things that happened here. How many of you were here when we had the prayer tunnel many, many, many years ago? Several of you. One Sunday, I I had a sermon prepared, and I I just said, I'm not preaching this morning. I just felt led by the Spirit. I got all the church leadership up. We made a, it's kind of like, how many of you have been, ever seen the Boy Scouts and have a belt line? Do they still do that? Oh, they don't do that, you bunch of weenies. Back when men were men. Anyway, you line up two lines of people in the belt line, everybody had a belt, and you ran through there, and there's, hey, man, we were tough as pine knots back in the day. Uh, Abuse, they, we loved it. Mike, am I telling the truth, huh? Yes. But anyway, 
It was kind of like that without the belt. A prayer tunnel. What we did was line up the leadership and we had them pray. And everybody in the church came up and they got in the end of it. And this person prayed and that person all the way down through there praying for them as they get to the end. And I was the very end. And I'm telling you, whoo. We started it, uh, we started back then, church, uh, around 11 o'clock. We thought we'd been there for about an hour, and when we got through, I looked, and it was past 3 o'clock. And the presence of God, just it was just powerful. It was amazing what God did that day. You know, we look forward to those times. When Jan Aldridge came, and she is prophesying over the church. She's prophesying over individuals. Brother John Lazarus from, from uh, India came. We you know, and he had prophetic words over people's life. He prophesied in his name. Come on, that's extraordinary. You know, I, we look at the, the time I, I had a concert at the high school. I, I got a group in during a pep rally in the middle school and then into the high school. And then Friday night, we invited them back for another concert. This was a hip-hop rap group, you know, but they were all about Jesus. That night, we filled up one whole side of the, of the basketball gymnasium, the bleachers, full with families and children from the high school. We give the invitation, about 150 children came, young people came down and gave their heart to Christ that day. Then somebody comes and gets me and says, like, Pastor, you need to get out in the foyer right now. There's a problem out there. Well, I go out there, and this little girl is manifesting a demon spirit. Her aunt's holding her, and this thing is glaring at me out of her eyes, and People thought she was having a seizure, and I got down. I'm like, that's not a seizure. That is demonic. And I got down, and I'm looking at that, and it's just glaring at me. And I'm looking, and I'm like, you will not cause a distraction here at this event today. We're not going to make this all about you. And I said, God, what is this? You know, What is this thing I'm dealing with here? And God said, it's a tormenting spirit tormenting her. And I just got right down beside her, her head, and, and whispered in her ear. I said, you tormenting spirit, in the name of Jesus, I bind you, and you will loose her now. And when I said that, she just relaxed in her mother's arms. No, her, her aunt's arms, rather. And, you, and uh, you just witness that demon spirit yielding to the name and the authority of Jesus' name. It wasn't Pastor B. Any one of you could have done that. Do you understand that? I prophesied in your name. Cast out demons in your name. Those are extraordinary things. We remember those things like, wow. You know, we, we've had that right here. We, we had a young man come one time. Remember, we couldn't touch him. Boy, you touch him, that guy went off. Because you don't have to lay hands on people with a demon spirit. All you got to do is speak to it. And you don't have to carry a conversation with the thing either. You tell it in Jesus' name, shut your mouth. Jesus would say, hold your peace. Hold your peace and come out. And, and Joel dealt with that one. And then one time we had this little girl coming, this young woman, and I got down and I started praying with her, and all of a sudden her voice changed. She started talking like a little child. And I said, look at me. Wouldn't look at me. I said, look, look at me. And I made, I'm not talking to her. I'm talking to that spirit. Look at me. And finally, we had to take her out and took her in the back room because it was I didn't want to like scare the bejeebies out of everybody. And those are extraordinary times, the things that we think about and we look at and say, those are what we live for. 
We're, we're up here working one day, and a car pulls up, and it's an it's a, a African-American lady and three Latino guys get out of the car. They said, our car's broke down. Can we use your telephone? I'm like, sure. Come on in. And we had just had a dinner that Sunday. We had some fried chicken left over in the refrigerator, and I'm trying to give them something to eat. I'm like, they don't speak English. She translates for them. And finally, she says, they're fasting today. I'm like, fasting? I said, who are you people? Well, they were from the Pentecostal Holiness Church down in Richmond. They were supposed to be going towards Goochland. They made a wrong turn and got in front of our church and broke down. And these men were fasting and praying when they showed up at our church. And then they asked her, ask him if we can pray for this church. And I'm like, absolutely. And they went through the whole building laying hands on the walls and praying in tongues or Spanish. I don't know, but... I don't know what they prayed, but they were praying. Huh? Come on. Those are like, wow. See, we live for that. That's like a vacation, man, not like a special trip. It's just the way we're built, you know, with those extraordinary things, extraordinary times, you know. Our men going on men's retreat, and, and Pastor Joe shared about it. We went to this one guy, and he was smaller than me. I'm a little bitty guy, but he was a... He was the most unintimidating fellow I've ever seen. And he's jumping around up on the pulpit and carrying on. I'm like, who is that little squirt up there, you know? Well, he was the keynote speaker, Benny Perez. Perez, is that his name? Little, little uh, Puerto Rican guy. But I'm going to tell you what, TNT comes in small packages. Huh? Because when that thing started praying for people, the men were gathered around the the stage there, and they were coming up the steps, and he went over there and prayed for one. When he touched him, there was about 10 guys just fell right out in the spirit. Bam! I mean, it looked like you'd hit them with a bowling ball, and the pins was doing, am I right, Joe? When we went, John Kilpatrick prayed. John Kilpatrick was the pastor at Brownsville Assembly of God at the Brownsville Revival. He was at one of those men's events. And, and Pastor Joel went up there and said, I'm going to let him pray for me, but he ain't knocking me down. He's like. So he braced himself. John Kilpatrick comes over and said, I don't know what he said to him. When he touched him, it looked like you had hit Joe in the head with a sledgehammer. He said, boom. And we had to get him up and carry him out. We went to the. Where did we go? We went to like some place to eat. I don't remember. And Joe, he's coming in like this. Eyes red looking. It's like they call it being drunk in the spirit, brother. He was soused. <laughs> Extraordinary. Yes, that's what builds our life. No, no, that does build our life. But church, it's not just that that we build our house upon. And a lot of times, that's kind of the way we think. It's those things develop our life. Those are the things that we look forward to. Those special moments. But if we think the house can only be built on these special moments, and they are, understand, there's some, one touch from God can do some amazing things in your life. In, in, in 1974, I went to a youth retreat in Mechanicsville, Virginia with a Baptist church. 
that didn't really believe in the, necessarily the power of the Spirit back in those days. They're, they're kind of coming around. I grew up in the Baptist, all right? I'm Southern Baptist. I used to say I'm Southern Baptist, born and bred, and when I die, I'll be a Baptist dead. Well, I'm not. I'm, I'm still Baptist. I believe it's baptism by immersion. That's really all that means. But I'm at a youth retreat. God baptized me in the Spirit at that youth retreat, 19 years old, 1974. Those things do impact you. I'm not saying they don't. But that's not the only thing that builds your house. And if we think that's the only thing that builds our house, we're wrong. Jesus said that we are like a house being built. We're either going to be built on a rock or we're going to be built on sand. So if we think our house will only be built, it's only going to be a building of integrity or a solid structure or something beautiful, if it's built on those memorable very critically important special times, things like prophesying in his name, casting out demons in his name, doing mighty, wondrous works in his name. If that's your view, then we don't see the importance of the very small, very ordinary, day-in, day-out things. And we don't understand that those things are what really builds our life. That's what really builds our life. So what reveals the integrity and the truth and the beauty of your house? What reveals that? Well, the question that we face this morning is, is my house built on a rock or is it built on shifting sand? How do I answer that question? Well, it's very simple. What do you do when the rains descend, when the floods come, when the winds blow, when the house is being beaten? What do you do then? Do you fall or do you stand? So when does the rains ascend and when does the floods come? When do the winds blow? When does the house take a beating? Church, Not in those special moments. That's not when that happens. No, in those special moments, brother, that's when we are in the sun having fun. Huh? We're in the breeze, a life of ease. Amen? Come on, we're under the spout where the glory pours out. There's no storm here now. God, everything, life is great. This is awesome. There's no floods, no storms, no house being beaten on then. Stormy weather is always during the ordinary, seemingly unimportant, small things in life. The everyday, week-by-week trials of life. That's when you face those storms. And church, it's in those moments that your character is built, that you're learning how to stand. And having done all to stand, stand. Having your loins girded about with truth. Taking on the the breastplate of righteousness. Having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Taking on the helmet of salvation and the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. You stand when all hell is breaking loose against you. Come on, you're not under the spout where the glory is pouring out when that's going on. No, it's the everyday, ordinary, having to deal with each other, come on, things that we face in life. That's when your house is being built. 
It's when you wake up to go to work and you're late getting up. And why are you late getting up? Because you were up late the night before laying under your truck in the snow working on it just so you can get to work the next day. Ask me how I know this. And so then you get up to get ready for work and you get up in stages. Oh, because oh, you're aching all over or maybe your head's hurting or something. And then you go in to fix your morning, regular, ordinary pot of coffee and you swing around to get water and you hit that stupid glass pot and it breaks. Now you got to skip your coffee. And then you get in your car to drive your same route to work that you drive every day. Only today there's an accident and you're caught in traffic. And so you finally get to work. You go in the same door to the same station to the same people and the same boss who sometimes makes your life less than enjoyable. And he's looking at his watch just to let you and everybody else in there know that you are late for work. I really needed that this morning. Come on, somebody. The end of the shift, you drive home in even more traffic than you had in the morning because everybody gets off of work at the same time. Not everybody goes to work at the same time. And then you get home and get to work on your car again because now you have the part that you didn't have the night before so that you can fix it and get to work the next day and do it all over again. Another ordinary stormy day. There is no life is great then. No sunshine and fun times. No calm breeze and life of ease. No under the spout where the glory pours out. Sound familiar? James chapter 1 verse 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy. Sure. When I get to heaven, I'm going to like, James, are you sure God told you to write this? Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith, and brother, it is a test. Am I right? Somebody say amen. It produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be, say it with me, Perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Church, our house is built on the hard days, not the holidays. The house that stands will be built on the small, unseen, seemingly unimportant, difficult, insignificant, ordinary things that we face day after day, week after week, year after year for life. That's how your house is built. When I was thinking about this, it occurred to me, hurricane clips. How many of you know what a hurricane clip is? If you're a builder and build houses, you know what it is. 
It's just this tiny little piece of metal. It's small, and it seems insignificant, but you better not leave that out of the construction of your house. Because when you build the wall, it's a two-by-four stud wall, or sometimes a two-by-six with a top plate, double-plated on top. And then your truss is set on top of that, and it's a little metal clip that attaches that truss to that wall. And when you build a house, there's three things, hurricane clips, concrete, and nails. You better get right. Because if you don't have the foundation right, all right, I, I was going behind some guys building a house one time, and they had laid this thing out for a pre-constructed house that was going to sit on the foundation. And they were laying the block. And I went over and looked at the prints, and, and I'm checking the measurements, and I get the tape measure, and I go over there just to kind of check behind them to make sure everything is where it's supposed to be. Well, they had this one block wall, and they had had the string line, and the block was supposed to go on this side of the string line, and they had built it on this side of the string line, which means the house is going to miss it by eight inches. And I said, I hate to bring this up, guys, but you may want to double-check that measurement. Took him to the drawing, showed it, and they're like, oh, my goodness. So what did they do? They moved the block. They, they already had the block wall built. They knocked it down. The, the, the mortar was still green. They knocked it down started all over. Only now the footer was poured for it to go on this side of the line. And the block is supposed to sit in the center of the footer. Now you got the block sitting halfway on the footer and halfway on the dirt. What you should have done was dug out beside that footer and poured another footer so that the block's sitting on a firm foundation. Because over time, thank goodness it wasn't a weight-bearing wall because the house would probably already have a big dip in it somewhere. But I'm quite sure they probably got sheetrock cracking and will... It'll settle for who knows how long. Your foundation needs to be right. Also, you need to have a certain amount of nails in that. How many of you know you're supposed to have so many nails in the boards on the side of your house? All right. You can't see that concrete in the dirt. It's unseen. All right? And it may seem like a small thing. Nobody notices, but it's important. All right? You, you're supposed to have... So many nails, so many inches apart in that OSB board on the side of your house. Now, you can put less nails in it, but when the storm comes, that board's coming off of there because it doesn't have enough nails or screws holding it on. And that little hurricane clip, you can leave those off of the house. Of course, you can't get it inspected. That's why they have inspections nowadays to make sure you don't do stuff like that. But if they didn't have inspections, like, oh, I'm not putting those on there. That's fine. When you look at it, it can be a beautiful house. Everything looks great about this house. But when the storms come, the roof is coming off. Because the hurricane clip, that small, seeming little insignificant thing was left off of it. Church, there's things in our life that God's going to work in your life that seem small and insignificant. But you better not omit them. Because when the winds blow and the storms come and beats on your house... It won't stand. And they happen in our everyday normal living. <clears throat> what Jesus is pointing out in Matthew 7 is these foolish people who focus on how good the house looks, but it's poorly constructed. It doesn't have the nails. It doesn't have the clips. It doesn't have the foundation. And when the storms come, it falls. 
he, he talks about that in Mark chapter 4, especially the subject of the foundation, because he talks about in Mark, Mark chapter 4 about the sower going and sowing the seed. Remember that? Some of it fell by the wayside, and the birds came and took it. Some of it fell on stony, thorny ground, and, and, and uh, the thorns grew up and choked it out. Some fell on stony ground. Some fell on good ground. And, and he says in, he said in Mark chapter 4, verse 16, those that are on stony, stony ground is who hear the word, immediately they receive it with gladness, but because they have no root in themselves, they endure for a time. But afterwards, when tribulation and persecution arises for the word's sake, they stumble. Why? They left something out. The foundation is not. See, the roots of a tree, that's its foundations. You, you take a tree that doesn't have the roots down deep, it's shallow. The wind comes, what happens? The tree falls over and it pulls the whole root ball out with it. How many of you have seen root balls pulled up and the whole tree come up, the root ball come up? There's no foundation there. It needs the roots down in there. The thing about the roots is they're not seen. You can't say you see that big, beautiful tree, but brother, if those roots are not down deep enough, beautiful tree's coming down. Because that root is unseen. It's not pretty. In fact, it's dirty. Some of those little things in your life, they're dirty. Another thing about it is it grows really, really slow. And it has to receive nourishment over and over and over and over again for life. Church, our foundation, you can't see it. We come in here and we, I sing hallelujah. We sound great doing that. But when the enemy is coming, do we stand? The question as to whether or not your house is built on the rock or not is when the enemy comes, do you stand and sing hallelujah in the presence of your enemy? When somebody offends you, do you get your little feelings hurt and run away? Huh? Or do you practice the things that he says? He that hears these sayings of mine and does them, forgiving those who do evil against you, rendering good for evil, not evil for evil. Huh? Then your house is built on the rock. And that comes through a very slow growth process. You take a, a tree that is out in the middle of the woods and it's surrounded by all these other trees, it doesn't have to withstand the wind. If you cut all the other trees down and leave it standing there by itself, it won't stand. But you take a tree and set it up on top of a hill out in the pasture somewhere, and it's the only one standing there. Brother, the roots in that tree goes down deep. If you cut that log, it is all twisted and gnarled because it has stood against the storms. And it has had a whole life of experiencing one storm after another, after another wind, the rain beating against it. And it has gradually put down its roots and stood there. Because it takes those everyday small growing process to stand. Some people want to grow really fast. I've seen this all my life. 
I grew up in my dad's church. Jeannie and I are approaching almost 50 years in ministry now. We're 48 years. I think we're coming up on 48 years. And so I've been to seven different ministries since we've been married because we work construction. We'd move to an area. We'd get involved in the church. We stayed in that church till we leave. And I've seen this in every ministry. I saw it in my dad's church. People want to grow up right now. Church, it doesn't happen like that. Trees don't grow. You don't take an acorn one day and it's a grow oak tree the next. It is a very, very slow process. Painful sometimes process. But I've seen it. People run here and run there seeking the extraordinary. Because they think that it's that. That touch from God and I'm going to be there, brother. I'm going to be an oak tree overnight. And so they hear about some gold dust is falling out of somebody's hair down here and they run down to this revival meeting. Woo, gold dust is falling out of their hair only to find out that it's glitter. Now maybe it's true gold dust actually did fall out of somebody's hair. I don't know. I'm not there to judge that. I don't know. Somebody came to me about that. Pastor, you need to go. I'm like, why do I need to do that? I said, what is that? Gold dust? I said, really? What? 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 Well, that's God showing his love for us. I said, no, honey. God did that at Calvary. God doesn't have to prove a thing to me. He did that at Calvary. When he hung on the tree and said, it's finished. He doesn't have to prove a thing to me. No gold dust, gold feelings, feathers falling out, all this stuff. And people run here and they run there. I want to get this touch from God because I want to be an oak tree overnight. It just doesn't happen that way. Building a firm foundation only comes through the testing of the rain, the flood, the winds, and the beating on the house. It does not matter how fancy your spiritual house looks. If it falls in the presence of trials, your house is built on sand. Huh? What it, the Galatians tells us, be not weary in well-doing. Come on, that's our everyday routine, living the life. Be not weary in well-doing, for you will reap in due season if you faint not. So Matthew 7, 21, he says, Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, did many mighty works in your name. We've done all these extraordinary things. But if you back up and look at the five verses before that, he he talk something about the, the, the spiritual aspect of this message. It says, beware, verse 15, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorn bushes or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, and every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Then he goes into 21, and not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord. In reference to what is going on sometimes, people are running here and running there after things that 
God may not even be in it at all. I'm not saying that he's not. Don't get me wrong. Because I have gone to some of those meetings. And it was powerful. It was God was all over it. And those are great things, church. They're like the vacation. They're the icing on the cake. And I will go to more of those. I'm not discouraging that. What I'm saying is don't think that that is how you're going to grow into a house built on a rock. Because it doesn't happen that way. Often there's people that will, they, they get this mindset that that is our goal to work towards. They demand to be seen or heard or accommodated. They want to prophesy in his name, cast out demons in his name, and do all these mighty works in his name. But when the rain descends and the floods come and the winds blow, beats on their house, they fall. Because they're trying to live on those extraordinary things rather than growing through the small, ordinary things. We, we need to realize that God doesn't just work on the vacation aspects of our life, on those special me days and stuff. God works every day. And a lot of times we live our life looking back at, I remember when, I remember when, I remember when God did this, and I remember when God did that. Or we're always living on, I'm, I'm believing God to do this, and I'm believing God to do that. And it's like we're serving the God of the I was or the God of the I'm going to be. Church, we're serving the God that is I am. God is I am. He is in every single aspect of my life every single day. And he's working in me, nourishing me, and, and, and helping me grow and establishing me and nailing down my hurricane clips and building a firm foundation under me and making sure I've got enough nails and screws to hold me together when the storms come. So a good house can only be built on a firm down foundation, and that firm foundation comes through the ordinary day-in, day-out trials of life. We need to value those things. Amen. I'm looking for Hunter. Is he in the house? Where'd my worship leader go to? The rapture didn't come, and he was the only one that left, I hope. Uh, he's only like <laughs> a good house can only be built on the firm foundation, and that foundation comes through the ordinary day in day out trials of life. We need to value those things, church. We really do. And and take take note of it. Appreciate those things. Now, what ministries do all around the world, week after week, it may seem small and ordinary and just necessary, but not necessarily special. What we do, every Sunday we come, and a lot of times it's like, well, the Lord didn't really do anything awesome today, you know. And if, and if God does really pour out his spirit and does something like, wow, man, God really. Listen, God does something great every time you show up. He's the God I am. He's always working in us every day. 
every little op- listen, every time you have an opportunity to get ticked off about something, it's an opportunity for God to nail down your hurricane clip. Huh? Every time somebody offends you, it's an opportunity for God to do something, to build your house, to lay another brick that's sound and solid. We all desire the extraordinary things, the special things. But all the little things that build your house on the rock, just like getting up and going to work every day, it doesn't seem so special as a vacation is. But it's that foundation that provides your home, your food, your heat, your transportation. Huh? You can't buy that on vacation. No, you get that from going to work every day. Amen? The ordinary small things prepare you for the storms of life. Then finally, at 7, 24 and 25, Matthew 7, 24, it says, Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine, and he does them, he's likened to a wise man that builds his house on a rock. The rain descends and floods come and the wind blows. It beats on the house, but it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. What does that tell me, church? You have to be in the storm to learn how to work through the storm. In the storm, you will have three choices. I'm either going to hear his word and do it. Or I'm not going to hear his word at all. And therefore, I can't do it. Or I'm going to hear his word and don't do it. And he calls that in 722, he says, that is working iniquity, workers of iniquity. You see, the word iniquity means a mixture. It means I'm taking the truth of God's word and the desires of my flesh, and I'm mixing them together. Rather than making my life line up to his word, I am mixing it. What I'm doing is I'm distorting the word of God to justify my sinful behavior. That's iniquity. See, sin is just missing the mark. At least you're trying to do it. But iniquity, iniquity is a deliberate mixture of the word. It's when there's things in my life that I want to do, but in my spirit and in my heart, I know that it's wrong but I do it anyway, and then I take God's word and twist it to justify myself and try to make it right. And Jesus says, if you're a worker of iniquity, I will say to you, depart from me. I never knew you. Church, this is serious stuff. It really is. So we have an opportunity to hear his word when dealing with each other and doing it and being a wise person. And usually our dealings with each other, uh, the, the storms is how we, usually the trials that you have involves a person. Am I right? There's usually a person, there's a face you can put with that. Jesus said this, now just think about a few things. He said this, by this shall men know that you're my disciples that you love one another. 
And then he goes into First uh, Corinthians chapter 13. He says, love, huh? love is not selfish. It's kind. Love is patient. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not puffed up. It doesn't take note when others do it wrong. Love hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never fails. Now, I can hear that. And then I can treat somebody unlovingly and excuse myself and thereby commit iniquity. Or I can choose to love that person in spite of the way they treat me. Here, here's another one. Just, I'm just kind of off the top of my head. The book of James says that, that if we can control our tongue, our words, that you can control your whole body. Then you go into Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. It says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearer and be kind one to another, tenderhearted. Huh? Come on. I've been saying that a lot because we need to hear that. See, that's the, nur the nourishment that we need to receive over and over and over again that helps me. When somebody is hurting you, somebody's doing you wrong, you be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. I can hear his words and do them, and I'll be like a man that built his house on the rock. But if somebody did me wrong, I'm not going to be kind to them. I'm not going to forgive them. And then try to get in here and justify yourself. And Jesus says, you're building your house on sand. You're not going to stand. And I'm going to say to you, depart from me. You workers of iniquity, I don't know you. Because the, the ones that he knows are the ones that hears his word and does them. And church, that's, that's not easy to do. I'm not saying this is easy. It is a daily, daily thing that we have to do. Amen? But hearing this and understanding, you see how important small, ordinary, day-in-day things are. They, they are so, so important. And that's where we grow. I, I hope that's helped you this morning. Somebody needed to hear that. They're probably not here today, but you make sure they tune in. <laughs> Amen. I just thought about that little song. He's still working on me to make me all I ought to be. Took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth, Jupiter and Mars, but how loving and patient he must be because he's still working on me. There really ought to be a sign upon my heart saying, don't judge me yet. There's an unfinished part. But I'll be perfect just according to his plan, fashioned by the master's loving hand. Amen. <clears throat> Would you stand with me, please? He's still working on me to make me all I ought to be. Took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth, Jupiter and Mars. Man, you're hard to build. You know that? If you think about that song, he, he built all of creation in a week, six days, and then rested. 
He's been working 67 years on me, and I'm still a mess. But he's still working. <laughs> the earth is a pretty complex thing, and everything in it he built in six days. How complex are we? Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. God, I pray that you continue to work on us, Lord. Work on us, Lord. But God, mostly, I pray that you would help us to hear your word, God. You said, he that hears these sayings of mine, he that hears these sayings of mine, he that hears these sayings of mine, Lord, we want to hear you. I pray today that we have heard what you said, Lord. But not only that, but God, we will determine in our heart we're going to do them. So, Lord... <laughs> We have so many opportunities to put this into practice. And I know that you inspired the word when James said, count it all joy when you enter into trials, knowing that, you, that, that it's a chance for your patience to grow. Let your patience grow. So, Lord, as we face the different trials of life, the everyday little ordinary things, Lord, God, I pray that you would give us the strength. Lord, you said we can do all things through Christ who strengthened us, Lord. Help us to turn to you in that moment and say, Lord, in my flesh I can't do this, but God, I know that in your strength I can. So, Lord, make me strong today. You make me strong, God. Come on, say that with me. You make me strong, Lord. Say that with me again. You make me strong, God. You make me strong so that I can do the things that you've told me to do, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice, Lord. If they don't know you, God, may they today, Lord, commit their life to you totally and completely, God. I heard it said one time, Lord, that either you're Lord of all or you're not Lord at all. And so, God, we want you to be Lord of every part of our life. Lord, help us to just yield every aspect of our life to you, God. And the Father be looking for you in every part of our life every day, God. Help us to see you in Jesus. In, in every every situation we are in every day, God. I pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Honor what you got for us, brother. We praise him going in, praise him coming out. Yes. His holy name Sing like never before Oh, soul, worship your holy name. Sun comes up, it's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. We worship you, Lord. Your name is holy. 
sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I'll worship your holy name. You're rich in love, slow to aim. Your name is great. Your heart is kind. All of your goodness I will keep on singing. Ten thousand reasons for my heart to find. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. Worship his holy name. Sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I'll worship your holy name. When your strength is failing the end draws near and my time has come still my soul will your praise unending ten thousand years and then forevermore bless the Lord oh my soul Oh, my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I'll worship your holy name. Worship your holy name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, we thank you for our time together, oh God. Lord, I pray that you would just add the increase, Lord, to your word, God. Father, remind us of this message, Lord, throughout the day, God, every day. Now, Lord, as we leave this place, Lord, I speak a special blessing over every home that is represented here, God. Make it a refuge, Lord. An escape from the world, Lord, a place where you are welcome. Holy Spirit, may you be found in every single house. May your presence be there. May it be there in love, patience, kindness, goodness, forgiveness, tenderness, mercy. Strengthen the relationship between husbands and their wives, parents and their children, siblings, one with each other. Lord, I pray that you restore families where there is division, where there's brokenness, God, where there's misunderstanding, where there's mistrust, where there's wounds, God. You're the healer, God. I pray that you heal relationships today, God. Not just husbands and wives, but parents and their children, Lord, and siblings with each other. 
then, Lord, I speak a special blessing over those that are walking their journey alone, God. They're lonely. Lord, they want to share their lives with someone, God, and that special person is out there for them, God. I believe that you've chosen someone for them. God, I pray that their paths will cross, Lord. They will find each other, Lord, and they will start their journeys together, Lord. And God, may they start that journey together in you. In Jesus' name, amen.